So I'm preparing the sermon this morning, and uh, I like, I, I now do, as a rule, I spend more time preparing myself than I do the sermon. Hopefully the sermon has kind of written itself before then, uh, well, it's written itself, <laughs> you know, I've got it together before then. So I try and spend Sunday morning, you know, sort of just soaking in, in God and getting my, you know, my heart right, my spirit right, and uh, just, and it's, it's a lot more relaxing, actually. And, uh, you know, to do it that way around. So there I am kind of soaking away. I've got some worship going on. And, uh, and the Holy Spirit says to me, do you want to go to the sermon room? I didn't know there was a sermon room. You know, you kind of, I didn't think of all this at the time, but I'm just retelling the story. You kind of make things up as well. No, you don't. But <laughs> you try and describe how you felt. How I felt was... Is there a sermon room, Lord? You, you know, I've been preaching now for, well, since I was 18. So that's, you know, 30, 40, 40, almost 40 years, you know, on and off. And uh, I was pretty ropey when I started. He's pretty ropey now. Uh, and, uh, and have I been all this time and, and there's been a sermon room and you've never told me about it? You kind of feel a little bit miffed, couldn't you? <laughs> now, whether there's literally a sermon room or not, but that's the way that God, you know, sort of, have you heard of like there are rooms in heaven with different kind of things? Well, maybe there are, maybe they're not. In one sense, it doesn't matter literally, but you know, prophetically, God's saying, well, there's a sermon room, come and get one. Oh, okay. And I was sort of thinking, well, but Lord, I've already prepared one. What about my one? And it's almost like I felt God sort of saying, well, do mine first. See how that goes. <laughs> and then if you need to, you can do your own. You know. No, he didn't say that quite like that. So you're going to get two. You're going to get God and then you're going to get me. So if you want to go for coffee in the second one, you know, feel free. Well. It was kind of like that. Anyway, so, okay, well, I'll, I'll come to the sermon room. And so I go to the sermon room, and I'm, I'm waiting for some, you know, what's it going to look like? I mean, what's a sermon room look like? You know, you sort of think, wow, is it like books and books? Is it like a big library? No, it didn't seem, it wasn't a big library. In fact, what God then showed me was I, I was, I'd kind of been in and out, you know, never really got a look around. And I'm in and out, and I, I come out with these two, you know, you, you can go into Ikea and Next and places like that. You can buy words, can't you? like, you know, love, dreams, you know, rest. And we've got, we've got letters joy, you know, on front of our television, just in case the program's not any good. And, uh, you know, so we've got joy. You know, you can put those around. How many people have got those? You know the sort of thing I mean, yeah. And I'm coming out, and I've got this big word, love, you know, sort of been carved in, in wood, painted white. And I've got this word joy. And I'm sort of just coming out of the sermon room with these two big words. And I said, well, is that a sermon, Lord? You know, I'm just coming out with love and joy. And, it's, and, and then I said, well, you know, so, so what, do I, what do I do with these now? And I could see us kind of worshipping this morning. I could see the word love over this side of the room. And I could see the word joy over this side of the room. There's a little bit there. Feel the love. Yes, can you feel the love? 
I'm not feeling the love, folks. Come on. Yeah. And then this is the cooking bit, okay? I felt God was saying it's like seasoning this morning. God's going to season your life. All right, this is our salt and pepper. If you don't, um, I kind of turn the top of this in faith because I'm never quite sure if anything comes out, but my wife assures me that it does, but, you know, on fish and chips. So God's going to season, right? You ready for a seasoning of love? All right, raise your hands or get ready. Right, here's a bit. Oh, it is coming out. <laughs> if you want a little bit to chuck over your left shoulder, and, you know, no, no, sorry. sorry. More. Have some more, some more love, okay? Right, what about over here? You're going to be seasoned with joy? Yeah. Woo! Why is it joy is always more noisy? Right, get a seizing of joy then. All over you. Okay. And I thought, well, Lord, you know, how, how do you do that? Why, why should one half, is it predestined in your will that this half of the room will receive love and this half of the room will receive joy? And uh, I, felt, I felt the letters swap over. Okay, so, oh, let's do this again. It's good fun, isn't it? Are you ready for some joy? Yeah! Some more joy over here then. I'm oh, sorry. <laughs> you can spread it on your cookie when you get home. <laughs> How did that sign? I don't know. All right. Are you ready for some love over here? All right. Receive some love. Okay. Whew. Love and joy. Uh, people, if you were watching in the worship, people came up to me and said, you know, this... They, they were whispering to me and, and various things like, this doesn't work and this doesn't work. All right? And you won't have any words. But Brian has got our scripture for us. The power of God's word has broken through. So we now have the scripture for us this morning, Brian, don't we? Hey. So, <clears throat> well, that was God's sermon. This, this is mine. Right? <laughs> let's, let's just pray. Father, we thank you, Holy Spirit, that you're here amongst us and Lord we we love your love and we love your joy and we just want more of it in our hearts just season our lives now Lord through the power of your word and the power of your spirit season our lives with love and joy love and joy and peace and the whole package everything that Jesus died for we want to get yeah we want to get everything that Jesus died for and we want it now yeah, we want it now, Lord. <laughs> more and more. Fill us. Fill us with grace and peace. Fill us with love and joy. Father, pour it out. Pour it out. Pour it out on us. Pour it out on us. Hallelujah. Well, God sort of dropped this verse into my mind in the worship about three weeks ago. Because I wanted to do something with a kind of Easter theme and uh, so I was kind of thinking well, that could be all sorts of things, couldn't it? And it, it kind of narrowed down to this one verse. Shall we read it together? He who did not spare his own son, but gave him up for us all, how will he not also, along with him, graciously give us all things? Can we say it again? He who did not spare his own son, but gave him up for us all, how will he not also, along with him, graciously give us all things? Anybody ever memorized it? 
This, this folks, is a, is a word to memorize. Because there's a world of God's truth in this one verse. You know, there are some verses like that in the Bible, aren't there? John 3.16, things like that. You know, and this is, this is similar to that. It just has the gospel in it. It has God's grace. It's got God's love in it. It's got a whole world of significance. And if you could just get hold of this verse in your life, it would transform you. It's probably transformed you already, if you, if you know it. He who did not spare his own son. What does it mean, he did not spare? Well, God didn't hold back, did he? He didn't spare his own son. So when Jesus wanted to communicate to us, well, when God wanted to communicate to us, he didn't send a teacher alone. It would be great to have a teacher, wouldn't it? A rabbi who just taught things. But Jesus, God didn't send a teacher to us. He didn't send an apostle to us. Great as they are at bringing the presence of God and bringing miracles, God didn't send an apostle. He didn't send an evangelist to preach to people to repent, you know, and turn to him. He didn't send a pastor simply to care for the souls of people. And what's the last one? Oh, he didn't send a prophet. Well, he'd already sent many of those. <laughs> didn't need to send another one. Sent a prophet to proclaim his son coming, but he didn't send a prophet. Now, the theologians among you will be saying, hang on a minute, Jesus was an apostle and a prophet and evangelist and a teacher and a pastor. That's absolutely true. So Jesus could have come as all those things, or God, rather, God could have sent all those things. And they did come. You get the whole deal with Jesus, don't you? But he sends his own son. And God doesn't spare his son anything. We know that. That's what Easter's all about, isn't it? The cross represents the suffering that Jesus went through. It represents the denial that, you know, the way he was denied, the way he was deserted, the way he was pinned to a cross. God didn't spare his son anything. Anything the world could, and sin and evil could throw at Jesus, God didn't spare him any of those things. And that's what's glorious about celebrating Easter, is that we celebrate again just God giving himself. He gave his own son. And yes, his son is an apostle, a prophet, a pastor, a teacher, and an evangelist. He's those, you know, magnificently. He defines those roles for us. But actually, this verse doesn't say, you know, God sent an apostle, a prophet, a pastor, and, and etc., etc., he, he sent his own son. And since Jesus is God, there's a sense in which God gave himself. Right, that's what's so rich about the Christian message, isn't it? This is Jesus coming is God's self-giving. God doesn't hold anything back from us. He gives himself to us. Absolutely, 100%, nothing held back. It's not even that, in a sense, he's still in heaven, although this is the mystery of the Trinity and it's difficult to understand. But God pours out himself in Jesus on the cross. He is the manifestation of God. He is the perfect representation. As the sun and the sun rays are one, so Jesus and the Father are one in that way, Hebrews chapter 1 teaches us. 
So God, say with me, you know, God holds nothing back. Can you say that? God holds nothing back. Right? Just declare it again because it's going to change your life. God holds nothing back. How do we know that? Because he held nothing back in Jesus. He spared nothing for you and for me. Absolutely nothing. What God didn't give in Jesus, there's not, there's nothing to give. <laughs> what God gave in Jesus. You know, other than that, there's nothing else for God to give. God has emptied himself out for you and for me. That's why, that's what makes Jesus the perfect revelation of God, isn't it? That's why God, you know, any lesser re- revelation, like an angel coming, we're all impressed by angels, aren't we? Anybody impressed by angels? We're all looking forward to seeing angels. I'm looking forward to seeing my first angel. Who's seen their first angel already? Good. Right. Doesn't make you any more superior. <laughs> but that's great, isn't it? Just want to rejoice in that. That was a joke. That was a joke. <clears throat> I, I'll point out the jokes when they come along because they're not easy to, not easy to find, are they? So I have no jokes in the notes. Well, I have no notes, but there you go. Um, and if there were, there might <laughs> be any jokes. In the, where are we? Eastgate, David, you're preaching. Oh, yes. Um, he did not spare his own son, but gave him up for us all. So Jesus is given up for us. Actually, it's an interesting word there. It's the same word where Judas gave up Jesus, where the, the Romans, you know, where the Jews rather, gave up Jesus into the Romans. So the father gives his son to be a punishment for our sin. He gives his son so that we might be justified in his sight. He gives his son as a sacrifice to us. He gives his son as a ransom to bring us back. We're slaves to sin. And the ransom brings us out of sin and into the glorious light of his kingdom. God gives his son. And and if he gives his son, he can't give anything else. He's done with giving. That's the ultimate expression of God's generosity is the giving of his own precious son to us. And he gives it to us all. All of us. Unreservedly. Jesus is a free gift to anybody who will receive him. That's what's so exciting, isn't it? Sometimes we make the gospel like it's not a free gift. It is a free gift. Imagine yourself walking into work, you know, this week, laden with presents, just to give away to people. It's a free gift. Here, I have a bit of Jesus. That's what Easter is about. It's a free gift. Why is it a free gift? Because God gave it freely to you. You didn't deserve it. You didn't earn it. You couldn't work for it. God just gave. That's what makes it hard for people to receive, isn't it? It's a, it's, it constantly amazes me the difficulty people have in receiving things that are free. Actually, even if they're not free, they have difficulty sometimes receiving, don't they? But, and it's pride and it's sin and it's I want to do good works. To, you know, I want to prove myself. I want to deserve it. I want to earn it. I want to work for it. That's all contrary to the gospel. I know what I was talking about. I was talking about angels, wasn't I? <laughs> I did have a point to make about angels. Well, but a little bit of extra gospel stuff came in there. It's interesting, isn't it? The seventh of the world's population follow Islam. The revelation of Islam is that Muhammad is in a cave out in Saudi Arabia somewhere, and an angel appears to him. 
and says, you know, Allah is God and Muhammad is his prophet. And, you know, that's a revelation. That's an inferior revelation. This is going to go well out on the Internet, isn't it? (laughs) Seven for the world's population. Why is it an inferior revelation? Why? Because it falls so far short of God's son, of God's self-giving. It's not that we don't believe in angels and who knows who that, who, that, who that angel was. But it's an inferior revelation. Paul says, even if an angel comes to you and preaches a different gospel, watch out. Galatians chapter 1. Right? It, treat it like anathema. It's terrible. It's an inferior revelation because God decided that he would give his own son, not just an angel or an apostle or a prophet or you know, somebody who's merely an apostle or a prophet and all the other things, but his own son. That's what makes the revelation of Je- the gospel of Jesus so amazing. But what about the second half of the verse? How will he not also, along with him, graciously give us all things? Can you say with me, How will he not also? You ever wondered why that's in there? It's a bit awkward, isn't it? Anybody anybody use that phrase recently? How will he not also? How will you not also come to lunch today? You know, it sounds rather old English. This is the NIV. I mean, it sounds almost AV or RSV. How will he not also? But just... To feel the weight of that. How will he not also? It's like God has given his son, so whatever he does next is totally, totally compelling. God cannot help himself but be a giver. Right? His generosity is overflowing. Why? Because he's already given the ultimate gift. Every gift that follows that never compares with the original gifts. So when you come to ask him for things, and this is the kernel of it, isn't it? When you come to ask him for things, you're always asking for something that doesn't compare to what he's already given you. So he's going to give it to you. He's bound to you. How will he not also give you whatever you ask? Because he's already given the ultimate. You see, sometimes we live our life a bit like this, you know, like Jesus died for me. So it's almost like, um, Phil, just stand up for a moment. It's like, you know, Phil represents when I got born again. You know, there's a few years between me and I got born again. I was 18. There's a few years between that. And I can constantly look back to that time and think, that's amazing. You know, I got saved when I was 18. God forgave my sin. You know, I've understood a lot more since then about what God did to me. But that's what Jesus did then. Here I am now in my present life. Well, you know, that was great, but... You know, I'm kind of struggling a little bit with, uh, you know, asking God things or, you know, sort of, is God really good? Um, How good is he? How much can I ask him for? Phil, just come over here. How will he not also, along with him, notice that phrase? It's almost like what we need to get hold of is the Jesus that was given to us when we got born again. He's still with us. He's along with me. Right? Along with him, graciously, well, so long, graciously give us all things. That doesn't make sense to me. How will he not also, along with him, graciously give us all things? The same Jesus that saved you is the same Jesus that's with you now. He's not just something that happened. Thanks for your sitting. 
He's not just something that happened in the past. He's with you now. He was the greatest gift that was given to you when you got born again. He still is the greatest gift that's ever been given to you. And he remains alongside you, along with him. Graciously give you, say with me, all things. All things. Not some things. Not half a thing. Not even 99% of a thing. But, or, or even 99.999 recurring of a thing. He will, he will get, maths, my strong point at school. <laughs> and <laughs> he will give you all things. Why? Because he's given you the best thing. Everything else he's going to give you doesn't compare with that. It's not a strain on his resources. Is it? It's not a strain. It's like, I'll just kind of squeeze out a few more quid for you. If I must. You know. Better send Jesus back. I'm fed up with giving all this giving, you know. So let's, let's wrap it up now. All those, those audacious Christians asking me for things. The bank of Jesus is open. <laughs> all the time. He's not in a, I love the fact that we whacked up this building. <laughs> I say we. You know. This is a phrase of my younger son. Whenever we need to do something to do in the house, he'd say, oh, come on, Dad, let's just whack it up. You know, as if woodwork just was automatic <laughs> or DIY, you know, just, just flowed out from me. <laughs> let's just whack it up, Dad. He's now a quantity surveyor. He's working for a demolition company, busy whacking things down. <laughs> I hope he hears this. <laughs> and uh, there you go. And um, yeah, we put this building up in the middle of a recession. Isn't that good? God is not in recession. God is not in financial crisis. How do we know that? Because theologically, God and, and reality, not that those two things are separate, <laughs> Theologically re- real, really, anyway, you know what I mean. Um, God's done it already. He's given all he can possibly give. He will go on giving more and more and more to us. You see, this building is a statement. Have you got used to coming in now? You, you got to the, are you over the honeymoon period? You know, are you kind of noticing the mess on the floor or, you know, ooh, put the chairs out differently this week? You, know? you got to that stage? I hope, hope not. But, you know. But whatever stage you are in your appreciation of the building, when you walk in here, folks, you look at a 4.2 million investment of God in this area. Hallelujah. In fact, it goes beyond 4.2 million, doesn't it? The land cut was probably worth a million pounds. So that's 5.2 million just went up just in the space of a, a sermon. And this is, this is God saying, I am for you. In fact, the preceding verse to this verse is, if God is for us, You know, what shall we say then in response to this? If God is for us, who can be against us? He who did not spare his own son, but gave him up for us all, how will he not along with him graciously give us all things? You know, you could say, and I don't mean mean this um, irreverently, you could say, well, even looking at this, asking for a few quid, it's not much of a stretch, is it? Because he's already done this one. You know, it's, it's not like God's up in heaven saying, oh, 4.2 million, that's really drained the resources, you know. 
Yeah, your current account is now empty. You pulled it all out of me. You know, I've got nothing left. If he's given us his own son, then graciously he will give us all things. Just look at 1 Corinthians chapter 3. I love this. This is like a sister verse of uh, this verse. Have we got that one? Um, I think that's on the other slide, actually, Brian. So then, no more boasting about human leaders. All things are yours. Say with me, all things are yours. All things are yours. Look at the person next to you. Say, all things are yours. Uh, look back, look at somebody else and say, all things are yours. Right? Look at Victor doing all the signing, saying, all things are yours. Hey. Anybody else want that? Put your hand up. Go on then. Look at those. Say, say all things are yours. Thank you, Jilly. All things are mine. Right? Here's, here's Paul in the midst of trying to sort out division in the church. With different parties in 1 Corinthians saying, you know, I follow Peter, I follow Paul, I follow uh, Christ. Uh, if you look back in the early chapters. And here's Paul, this is his answer. Paul or Apollos or Cephas, you know, all things are yours. You can have them all. You don't have to be separate. In fact, and then he jumps. Look at this, the way he jumps here. From Cephas, you know, one man amongst millions in the world, to the world. You know, when somebody says, look, I'm praying for, um, you know, this amount of money or I'm praying for this house and uh, or, you know, I'm praying for such and such a thing to happen in the church. You can just tap them on the shoulder. It's, it's all right. The world's yours. Easy. The world's yours. Look at this. Or life. Or death. Don't ask me to explain why death is yours. I think it's just about overcoming death, that sort of thing. And uh, you go around saying, oh, I've got death. Do you want some? <laughs> and, uh, or, or the present. Or the future. That's an interesting philosophical concept. The present. In what way is the present yours? It's yours. You are, you're here for the moment. And you're here for the future. So whatever moment you find yourself in, all things are yours. Whatever moment. Why? Because the king of the kingdom is in you. The king is here. Our, PA may, our, our words may have worked. Our, you know, our IT was up. This, but the king was here. He was working. He is working in you wherever you are because the present belongs to you. You are the people of the present. And you are the people of the future. In fact, it's going to be a pretty miserable future without you. Wherever you live in the world, if there's not a significant Christian presence, oh, a, I wouldn't want to live there, would you? We are, don't be down on us as British people. We have an amazing inheritance in this country that other countries envy. Now, we're not content with that. We know that. But, you know, in so many ways, all things have become ours and are becoming ours. But we have far more to inherit because actually the sky is the limit because God has given us Jesus and he can't go. You see what I mean? He can't, get, he can't get any better than that. So anything less than that, he will give you. So. 
we were on a treasure hunt in Gravesend recently. We walked into the public library. If you know, who's been in the library in Gravesend? If you look up on your right-hand side, there's a picture of a man, Andrew Carnegie. Andrew Carnegie was a Scottish-American uh, uh, millionaire. He founded the American Steel Company. He was one of the guys that laid the, you know, provided the steel to lay the tracks for the railway going into the frontier land, you know, across America. He was a multi-multi-millionaire. Why is his picture in Gravesend Library? Why? Because he paid for Gravesend Library. He actually sponsored something like 2,800 libraries. I don't know if that's the UK and the US, but, you know, around the world in different places. Because he was so committed. He wanted people to be committed to learning and, you know, have access to... Here's our little old town of Gravesend has a multi-millionaire paying for a library to be put into our town. God is a multi-billion, billion, trillion, fillion, billion, zillion, gazillion, mega gazillion, if you can get that, millionaire. He is investing in our town so that people can learn about Jesus. And you are the bankers, you are the brokers, you are his agents, you are releasing God's kingdom into this town. Yeah? When you get prophetic, I looked at Andrew Carnegie and that's the sense that I had. It kind of took a bit more shape, you know, since then. That's how prophetic words often work, isn't it? You kind of think there's something in this picture. What is it? Went, you know, trailed around the internet, found out a bit about Andrew Carnegie. I think he's the, you know, the Carnegie Hall sort of person. And, uh, and that's it. And God, God wants to release that through you because all things are yours in Christ Jesus. So, how's the time? Ten past. I've got five minutes to release this all into your life. There you go. What do you want materially? Come on, think of something material. All right? One of our mistakes is we think all things, and well, that's just the spiritual stuff. This is our activation this morning. What is it you want materially? Do you want a house? Do you want another house? Do you want finances? Do you want a job? Do you want any of those things? Just raise your hand. Can we have Romans uh, 8.32 back up, Brian? Keep your hand up. Just imagine God releasing that into your life now. He who did not spare his own son, this is the prophetic word into that situation, but gave him up for us all, how will he not also, along with him, graciously give us all things? Graciously. Lord, we release jobs, release houses, release finances into every situation, into every heart, into every life. That's whether you've got your hand up or not. <laughs> right? God's going to give you things, even if you've got your hand down. This is sneaky of God, isn't it? He's going to give you things even though you're not asking him. Right? Because <laughs> you will be asking him shortly. Just maybe that something hasn't come to mind. Hallelujah. Let's go for healing. Oh, let's, let's leave healing for a moment. Wisdom. It's often overlooked, isn't it? God is generous in his wisdom. God will give wisdom when you need it. And some of you need wisdom this week. You need wisdom with your kids. You need wisdom with your relatives. Lots of wisdom there. And 
You need. <laughs> yeah. You're born with your relatives. You choose your friends. No, no. <laughs> oh, that was a little thing in the next shop. And <laughs> you need wisdom in in your job, don't you? If you don't know, you need wisdom in your job. You will Monday morning. Some of you need wisdom because you need fresh ideas, right? You need new inventions. You need problem-solving solutions. And, you know, you've had discussions at work, even this week, some of you had discussions about how do we sort that out? How do we deal with that problem? How do I confront that person? How do, I, how do we break through into that market? How do we... Um, these may be inspired. I hope they are. <laughs> right? Keep going, yeah. How, how do I get to, here's, here's one for somebody. How do I get from this country to that country? Because we need to go there. How do we break into that market? How do I make contact with that person? Right? Any of those? Raise your hands. Jesus has given you his greatest gift. He is giving, he's going to release all things into your life. So let's, let's read this out together and you can own this yourself, okay? He who did not spare his own son but gave him up for us all, how will he not also, along with him, graciously give us all things? Just picture in your mind what you're asking for, that wisdom. We just release wisdom over those situations. (laughs) He is a generous God. There were a few people who were wise enough to plan and have a vision for this meeting. You're sitting here in a chair that was planned by somebody. You'll receive it so that you can receive wisdom. And you'll bring other people into this place and they will receive wisdom from God that will absolutely blow their minds. Healing then. I had particular words of knowledge this morning for heart problems, wrist problems, and skin problems. This doesn't normally happen, but when we were just chatting at the front here and somebody came up to me and said, would you pray for somebody with a skin problem? I said, do you know what? I had a word of knowledge this morning about praying for people with skin problems. What a, I don't believe in coincidence anymore. Well, I'm not sure how long I've believed in that. <laughs> Probably sometime in the past. God orders everything, doesn't he? Everything belongs to him. He can order everything. All right, do you want to receive that or any kind of healing? Just raise your hand. If you're sitting next to a person with their hand up, you might just want to put your hand on them if they're happy with that. Father, we just release your healing. Father, I pray for every heart that's troubled, uh, Father, physically and indeed emotionally. If your heart's troubled at the moment, Father, I speak peace, shalom, God's shalom into your heart now. Yeah, troubled hearts as well as physical problems. I pray, pray that now in. Just release your kingdom. Into wrists, Father, I pray now. Wrists be healed. Wonky wrists, brain wrists, broken wrists. Be healed in Jesus' name. And skin problems, we command you to go. We command you to go in Jesus' name. Eczema, we command you to go in Jesus' name. You don't belong on our skin. We command you to go in Jesus' name. 